You're listening to The People's Pitch, the official podcast of Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by footballstadiumprints.com. Let's start the show. And as I talked about just a couple minutes ago, as Joe Watt stands over this one, he appears to be the one taking the penalty here. Uh, this is a huge confidence booster if you're a Duluth. Worst case Elder scenario for here City for right more. here. And it's stopped! Yes! And it's stopped! Totally Matt redeems Elder. himself. <laughs> Matt Elder redeeming himself. Oliver with the right foot. The shot is oh, Oliver! Justin Oliver will break the scoreless tie. Then it is 1-0 Minneapolis City. It's Hutton now on the offense with the left foot. And oh, the goal. Goal. It is now 2-0 Minneapolis oh, yes. City. Good finish. Nick Hutton taking his quick victory lap. I love me a good midweek show. Welcome back to the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club. I'm your host, John, or Josh, as the YouTube sphere called me this weekend uh, on the stream. <laughs> and I am joined, by, as always, by my main man, the voice of City Game Day from not one, but two cities, the Nate Morales. Nate, packed show this week, packed week for the team, and it's still hot as hell out there. Are you over being <laughs> locked in a booth for uh, 180 minutes? Just leaking sweat yeah man at least i'm in my basement (laughs) like where it's nice and cool like that was that was super brutal it's one of those things where you know you get used you or you kind of start to expect it like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna be super hot today i can't wait to watch these games i just gotta get myself mentally ready and then you get up there and you're just like i need all the water right now it was it was rough but I had some fans on me, and then when you guys joined, it was a lot easier. So, uh, I don't know, man. It's summertime. You take the good with the bad. Yeah, uh, big... you do. You do. <laughs> a lot of good in the show this week. Uh, Dakota recap. Uh, we, and I don't mean Dakota Fusion. I mean the Dakota Young Stars, uh, the first in our two UPSL games, or two, uh, our, the, the UPSL game in our doubleheader uh, that we had on Saturday. And then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what's next up for the UPSL team. We're going to recap the Med City game, the second game in our doubleheader, the marquee game, if you will. And then based on that, we're going to go around a little little NPSL North spin around. There's a lot going on in the NPL, NPSL North, and we've got, I don't know, we've got some angles to cover. And then finally, Dakota Fusion preview, a game on Wednesday night. Joy of the People preview, game on Saturday night. A lot of soccer this week. To talk about so uh, listen to me now or listen to me later we got to get to it all right let's get after it man so as the first game of the club's first ever double header which is weird that i'm that's kind of that, cool that we, haven't, we haven't done it before the rookery minneapolis city 2 was looking to further build their lead in for lack of a better way to say it nate uh, just a weird upsl midwest conference with yeah <laughs> the the heat index was at or above 92 but the boys beat the heat and ultimately beat the traveling dakota young stars who didn't bring balls or bibs or a goalkeeper or a person to warm up the goalkeeper uh so we had to help <laughs> them so basically lumping that all into just upsl things just sure up upsl things all right it makes you like Counting our chickens before they hatch. Like, what does the rest of this league look like? <laughs> when we when we run into some people at, at playoffs, like, is it going to be just this this crazy? Are we just running up against the luckiest of the lucky bastards from all across the country? Hopefully, and then we'll stomp them. But, uh, yeah, when a team comes to play and they need your goalkeeper coach to warm up a guy who may or may not be a field player and that, you know that you're going to have problems on the day as that team. Uh, already starting with, with some nerves, I bet those Dakota Young Stars, especially against this starting lineup. You had Mitch Wolf in net. You had a back five or back three, I guess, of Will Orser, Ethan Anderson, and Wes Lawrence with Connor Axos and Luke Lindsay playing those wing back positions. Uh, Scotty Heinen is the deeper midfielder. Abai Habat and Stephen Wright, more advanced midfield. And then, of course, our, our dynamic duo for Minneapolis City 2, Derek Ullman and Cole Schwartz. Really nice to see those guys up there. And then the game changers, uh, Abdi, McCray Drong, Stu Sane, Saddam Stu Sane. He even came on, and I, <laughs> I, I, I thought, like, mm, people will not get this joke. 
<laughs> no, probably probably good that you didn't didn't do that. Uh, uh Nathan okay. Nathan Strees, was that his name? Strees. Streets. Uh, yeah, yep. Oh, the streets. mean streets. I so, like that. So Nathan was a U twenty uh, on our U twenty three team, um, and then he came back to us from. Um, he goes to Occidental College in California, um, and he didn't know if he was going to be able to come back or not. So he has been double dipping with uh, the futures program to get more training in. Occidental, um, that's expensive. Yeah, yeah, and you gotta you gotta be a certain kind of mind to go to Occidental. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't just take schlubs like you and I at Occidental. No, you gotta be you gotta be from the mean streets. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Adam King was another uh, another game changer that I, that I like to see. Uh, he's he's really decent. And Just then of full course, top knot, full mm-hmm. top knot. And then Jason, Jason, Jacob Popkin, uh, new guy Adnan Jilby. We hadn't seen him before. My man Nils and Ben Schleeman all on the bench. And uh, I don't know. That's a lot of talent. So let's see how this game went. So surprisingly, John, and I, I'll I'll say this: like give credit to the Dakota Young Stars. They came out for about 44 minutes and 50 seconds with a really organized back five. When you think mm-hmm. about how adept at this point in the season uh, Derek and Cole are at playing off each other, dropping back into space, creating space for each other, trying to find those runs, uh, they, were not, they were not having it. And it, it felt like just when Ullman thought he had some space to make a run, that pocket collapsed. Where as a defender shifted over, uh, as as you bring in Axos and uh, and Abai, and uh, even when uh, what's it, when Luke would come up, like a lot of times, Stephen Wright really good on the ball. There's all sorts. They, we tried a number of combinations in that first half to try to create space for an attacker, and each and every one of those times, Dakota was collapsing in and really like the last guy was able to to make that stop and, and pick up the ball off of off of the <clears throat> off of the unrushing player. And so what happens is is that city, while you know can't really pester this not this non-goalkeeper goalkeeper, right? I mean that's the thing to do. And you know that you're up against a guy that has no idea what kind of how to play his position, you gotta just hammer those shots at him, right? And just assume something's yeah. going in. It, it baffles me that whether it's teams in the UPSL or the or the MPLS that they are still sitting back on both of our teams because we pay we play such patient um, possession focused soccer that we don't we're not going to just go you know balls to the walls and start going at people even if it even if you smell blood in the water like a field player playing goalkeeper you're still going to pick and choose your spots and people still think that it's a way to try to stay in games when they're realistically just getting worn out by us. Yeah. And I mean, and I think that's what happened, but they did stay in the game. I mean, 45 minutes and everything Derek and Cole were trying to do was being stymied by that back five. So credit to them for that first half performance city, still able to maintain a majority of possession throughout the first half. And I'd say, a lot of that possession was in the attacking third, or at least the at least the Dakota side of the field. Um, and then what happened is we just started to rip some longer, lower percentage shots. Just got to get the ball in the box, right? Put pressure on the keeper. See what happens. You might get a weird, you might get a weird bounce. You might get a defender out of position uh, that it bounces off of. Who knows? But you just eventually you just got to both out of frustration and just to provide yourself some other options, just see what happens, put the ball in the box. Yeah. And, and I think you started to see that a little bit. I think um, you started the, the corner kick started mounting up and yep. um, you know, more numbers were getting forward from a, um, from a perspective of, of the set, the set piece, but I still think it was leaning heavily on how can we create an advantage via possession via the front three, five, two. Yeah, for sure. And you know what, that, you know, you know, is one of those longer range shots from deep lying midfielder Scotty Heinen that finally got through to open that scoring right at the close of the first half. That was so a John, laser. <laughs> yeah. When he's come in as a sub, he's been really dangerous offensively. He's created space. He's created chances. He usually causes a lot of problems in and around the box. But when he when he starts the game, uh, he's used in a deeper role. 
talk a little bit more about about Heinen and his multifaceted midfielder skill set because he it seems like he can do a lot. I mean, the funny thing as you're reading that off um, of your show notes here, the thing that I'm trying to hold back the laughter is I think his best position is as a winger. So crazy, um, yeah. Um, the the thing you get out of Scotty though is um he he is quick with his pace of play. So he'll if he's a deep lying midfielder, he he's one of those guys that you think as a you know when I say he, I think he's best out wide. Um, you think that he's a guy who wants to carry the ball, go at guys, but then you put him in the middle of the field and he's one two touch three touch max passing and yeah. he's moving trying to get it back. So I think how he's deployed is based off of need. Um, when you have a guys, guys like uh, a buy and Steven Wright um, in front of him, then it, you need that possession focused, quick move the ball, um, you know, number six in the three, five, two, and he can do that. And I think that, you know, you, so you see a little bit when, um, when Abdi Kadi plays there um, it, it's, it's kind of like that, that mold. Like if you play here, this is how you play. And mm-hmm. he's just one of those guys that can adapt his game to whatever wherever he's put in, which is nice. He's kind of like um, kind of a lot like Kevin Hoof, um, where you can put him anywhere, and he's he's a he's just a solid soccer player who will just do his job. A little faster than Kevin Hoof, but yes. Yeah, well, he's a little younger point. than Kevin Hoof. <laughs> uh, and, so, and you know, he's like twenty pounds lighter than Kevin <laughs> Hoof. City goes into the locker room one uh, nil, and it only takes nine minutes into the second half for us to find. Our second goal, another long-range bomb from Abayabot deflected off of the head of a, of a Dakota defender. That's a tough break for that keeper, right? Like, he might have had the line on it, but after that, it's just like, oh, well, never mind that. And uh, so you can see him start to lose steam, and that is – that was that was the end that was for it. the young that stars. That was it. Yep. As the subs poured in, so did the goals, dude. Like, Ethan Anderson gets a head on a cross. I thought it was Nathan Streets, the mean streets, but it was Ethan. Uh, McRae Drong pounces on a low skimming cross that the keeper totally missed, uh, which was too bad. Popkin gets him with another long-range blast. And Nils, man, he comes on late. He's turned up to 11 from the start, basically intimidates the ball into the net. And he ends the keeper's emotional life. Like, that was... <laughs> That was just a brutal cherry on the top of a really bad day for that guy. Uh, so you got to feel for him, but you got to you got to get excited for Minneapolis City. Keys to victory. We won. How did we do? Well, number one was keep banging in the goals. Uh, they took they didn't take that one lightly uh, nope. to the tune of six. I mean, obviously things could have been different if a actual goalkeeper was in net, you but still, know. but yeah, you never know. I mean, still putting in six. I didn't see anything outside of just the the blunt force trauma that was Nils. Um, <laughs> uh, that was the only one that maybe a goalkeeper could have stopped. Um, but the other ones were like well-placed shots, good combinations, shifting the defense around. I think a real kinda... keeper would have would have been able to deal with the cross that McCray scored on too. But yeah, yeah. You're right. otherwise it was like a lot of lasers, just really well-placed. Um, and number two is play better as a unit. I thought I thought I saw that. I, I still think mm-hmm. that like there was there was certain times in the second half. I, I admit I got there late in the in the first half, um, like right around the hydration break time. So I didn't see the first few minutes. Um, I had to get a sub at Jimmy John's if I was going to be sweating my butt off in a booth. I need some nourishment. Um, so I didn't I didn't see that. But I thought that the collectively the play was much better. Um, and it wasn't a case of the opposition either. I thought that they, it didn't matter who they were playing against. They, they were playing better when they had the ball. Um, I, but a, a few times the final pass was let down. I think the scoreline could have been way more as it got stretched. And as Dakota started trying to get back into the game that, you know, a couple final third passes, I think Adam King had a couple, McCray had a couple, mm-hmm. I think, um, I think Stu Sane figured out that uh, playing in the Mayak for St. Thomas is quite a bit different than playing in the UPSL. I thought he, uh, <laughs> there were quite a few times where he held on, he held on that extra touch and then he paid for it. Um, so hopefully uh, he puts that one in his memory bank. Um, but I, I thought all together though, uh, a, a good team victory, um, you know, pumping in the goals and obviously moving the ball better as a unit and not getting as stretched as they had against Rochester. And then finally keep a clean sheet. Um, I didn't see a shot on Mitch Wolf in, when I was there, 
Uh, I saw there one. Was... Okay, there's so one bunch... in like the in like the 17th minute. There was a really nice. I don't know how the free kick was won because I was also doing the live tweeting duty, but uh, there was a free kick in a sort of dangerous spot, and the guy was able to curve it around the wall, and Mitch got mm-hmm. hands on it. So it was there was the one. I'll I'll call it one save, one shot, one save for Mitch on the day. They had they had players who could play. They just could never get him the ball because either we had it or they were taking a goal kick. Yeah, absolutely. So sadly, John, the UPSL team. Just as we're getting to know these guys, I'm really I'm really falling in love with these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that UPSL team is not home until the end of this month. Uh, but next up is going to be Granite City. Granite City sits in third place. They're four points behind City with three wins and two losses. Like you said, this is a weird league, so who really knows? But these results show them to be extremely beatable. Uh, they've had victories against Rochester, who are in last place. They beat Turbo Sports, who are also not good. And they beat Inter, which was a little interesting. They beat them 5-1, to one, like really bad beat. Uh, so that's yeah. – who knows what's up with Inter? I would, I would chalk that up to Inter's uh, lack of consistency rather than anything that City did wrong. Um, uh, when speaking of that, uh, Father Popkin is no longer their head coach. So, oh, um, there's that. Is that. That's interesting. That's, that's news. Re- recent news, yeah. That might be. I mean, he really had them tactically correct. Yeah, well, at least to play us. against us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then Granite City has lost to Brooklyn Knights and FC Minneapolis, who we've seen and beat. So. Oh, well, uh, with a friendly against the Futures on Friday, John, what do you think Prunty's approach is going to be? Because MC2 is going to be in action two days in a row. I'm going to assume that you lean on the tried and true starters on Saturday and you use Friday to get the bench players extended minutes, right? Did that get moved? No, I'm uh, pretty the, sure. The, the friendly, I thought, got moved. Or was that did it get moved to Friday? Yeah, that's what I think. Let me uh let me just double check here and make sure that I get my stats correct. I just be... saw a social media post about it. Um they do not play on Friday because oh. of fixture congestion. So fixture they congestion. their next match is against Grant City on the on Saturday. Oh, so that's it. That's that it. Minneapolis City two versus futures game is it has been moved, I thought. Oh, scheduled um, tweet error. I don't know. I could be wrong too, but either way, if it happens, you're hundred percent correct. Otherwise um, I, I, we're full. Otherwise I, we're full speed ahead for Saturday, which is great. Yep. Yep. And I think like, I, I agree with you. I, I, I really enjoyed my trip to Rochester with those guys and being on the bench and helping them out. It was, it was enjoyable. It's a good group of guys. I think that they, they all kind of collectively have that brotherhood mindset, which the, you know, the MPSL team has. And I think they're, they're at the point now though, where I think, you know, if you can pull off the victory at, um, at Granite city, and then you have, what do you have? You have Laura next. Um, yeah, we have, you have three games next. If yep. you can pull off the victory this weekend and then maybe start to look forward to playoff scenarios and thinking about who you're going to get out of the Midwest. Um, there's a lot of good teams looming outside of this conference. So I think that, um, yeah, just, just keep playing the way they're playing. I, I know there's some additional reinforcements that haven't yet played that are, um, that are in the mix that uh, could potentially be good additions from a playoff perspective. So I'm, I'm excited to see what the end of the season is. And, and we could have a, a potential trophy lifting um, before the MPSL season's over here. If, uh, if these guys do their job. <laughs> and you would love to see it. That's what yeah. they're here for, right? Got to, got to win that hardware. I'm gonna drink out of it. Is what I'm gonna do. Um, <laughs> so, uh, in the marquee match of the doubleheader, um, with a lot on the line, the fellas were still not gifted an easy game setup. Um, even though we were at home, it was still hot as hell, and that's something mm-hmm. you definitely have to deal with. I think it was about 89, 90 degrees on the turf at kickoff, which was at you know, <laughs> at six o'clock at night. So that, that's tough. That's tough to play in. Um, but the heat nor the 10 men behind the ball that Med City deployed were a match for this Crows team that continued its role as they brought down the only other lossless team in the North Conference by a scoreline of 2-0 to zero 
Uh, starters to that match, not a ton change with a few key additions in here. Um, your back line of Elder, Charlie Adams, uh, Max Kent, and Mirakami were the same from the Duluth game. However, Jack Berry replaces Jonah Garcia, um, who seems to never have not played for us since he got here. Um, mm-hmm. but Jack Berry moves in to the back line. Um, Ian Smith returns to the starting lineup as a defense center midfielder. Uh, in front of him, Captain Max Stewart, and then Brian Lopez getting the start on the back of earning it against Duluth. Um, For sure. At the uh, attacking center midfield position. And then your front three, um, another change there. Uh, Will Kidd, Midu Youssef, and Lionel Vang slotting in for Justin Oliver. Justin getting a little bit of a break uh, on the day. Game changers, uh, Troy, Miles Stockton-Willis, Jonah Garcia, as you mentioned, Kevin Andrews, Artie Perrins, Justin Oliver, and Dominic Mezgin. So... Nate, I was actually extremely excited for this one because there's a few names on this roster for Med City that I was really looking forward to watching. Um, some really good talent that that we've actually heard of. Um, you know, AJ Jarvis. I mentioned it on the call. Bart I mean, Harley Jarvis? <laughs> no, AJ. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's, Bart's maybe dad. But you no, know, uh, or Bart's son, I guess you might want to say. That baby's a total chode. <laughs> um so uh you have yeah, no idea what i'm talking about <laughs> no i don't and i don't care I, <laughs> okay never mind I, keep going <laughs> i don't care to even ask to be honest yeah, this uh, is a show so i'll talk jarvis, to you about it later <laughs> okay perfect yeah uh, this is all fair stuff um aj jarvis is we've seen him for three seasons and i mentioned it on the call of the game that outside of matt elder who's i i, I feel has been one of if not the best goalkeeper in in, in the north conference for just shy of a half decade. <laughs> uh, yeah. Duluth had Duluth has had some quality goalkeepers, but AJ Jarvis is right up there. He's he's fantastic. Um, and I you know I was excited to see him. Um, Jack he's from the, Jones. He's from the West Midlands area of Rochester, right? Yeah, he's. I think he's a he's a, home, a home, more of a homegrown product for them. Uh, Jack Hilton Jones <laughs> in the central midfield. Um, definitely wanted to see see him play uh i'd watch him on tape and you know he did did some work against the um the the other teams in the north conference that he he faced um colton prater was actually gonna play with mc2 but apparently playing against us in the mpsl was what he wanted to do and well we all know how that worked out um and then tyler (laughs) oliver obviously Justin's Justin's bro- twin brother, who we talked about also on the call, of the game that the reason why he's not in the mix with us is because there's so many Gustavus players that are w- throughout our, you know, from futures all the way up, um, that we uh, he couldn't. So illegal. He, uh, he fell on the sacrificial sword on that one, and uh, and ended up his way in Rochester. He got a sweet um, player manager gig out of it. Yeah, he did. It's a re- definitely a resume stuffer for him to be able to put down that he's an assistant coach for an MPSL team as he works his way up in the coaching ranks. So I, mm-hmm. I you know, um, you know, no harm, no foul there. But I, you know, those that group of say five guys, I was really excited to watch. Um, Lambo up top, I thought you know he scored a few really good goals in some of the games. So they, they had the talent, but from the jump, Nate, this one was pretty clear in my opinion. Med City was not going to throw anything forward besides Lambo. Um, with no sense of urgency as like even in the first half taking their sweet time with throw-ins and goal kicks and I think it's an attempt to keep this one as close as they could but what ended up uh, what that ended up doing for this this um, Crows team is that that you know they have that eye on possession and patience which which we've seen over the past five or four games prior Um, it gave them pretty much the ball all the time and there was literally a point where the only time for a stretch of eight minutes where Med City got the ball only when it went out for a throw or a goal kick. Like we had just kept the ball and moved them around and moved it forward, moved it backwards. Just put them to the chase for at least eight minutes. Uh, I was trying to keep keep track of it, but then obviously I had other duties to do there. Um, so it pretty much gave them nothing to do because they didn't have the ball. Um, outside, of, outside of that, it was pretty much – all, all Minneapolis City just wearing them down, making them chase on that hot night. And going into the first hydration break, I think Matt Elder had to maybe thwart like one cross or corner kick, um, but there was no threat from Med City as they were just kind of trying to lump the ball forward up top into that one striker. And there was just three or four on waiting city defenders to gobble up the ball and start moving it around again. Yeah, you know, my, my notes 
it's funny because I feel like the Med City strategy was better at the start when I think the guys were too amped up. Where when when the Med City guys were amped up enough to yeah, not follow crowd the noise, crowd not follow not, the strategy. Going, like they yeah. came out excited and they put a lot of pressure on the on our back line. Like I thought we in the first 15, 20 minutes, we had a hard time getting into attack mode. Like our Olambo is big. They were they were pressuring Barry and and Kent. So like you said, just move the ball around. Nothing too uncomfortable, but still like there was nothing positive really in in our movement early. And he, and they even had that the early first chance, which was deflected for a corner. But really they were they were starting to play very physical, I thought, and and clogging that area in front of net. That disappeared almost immediately. Like I said, 15, 20 minutes into the game, City asserted itself as the as the possessors, and I think the more dangerous team, obviously. Um but yeah, I think as, as as we went into the break and as the the half wore on, it's almost like when you're watching a no hitter. Like you look at your you look at each other and you're like, "Have they even shot the ball?" Yeah, I thought so, it was it was less of like, "Have they shot the ball?" and more of like, "Have they strung together more than two passes?" <laughs> well, um, yeah, when you yeah, you can extend it to that even. Well, and, and again, the the players on that roster, I, I've seen them play like multiple times and they can play. I, it just mm-hmm. seems like a bad, a bad tactical decision by 2019 NPSL North coach of the year, Neil Cassidy. Uh, I mean, like ah, I would, I would never play that way. If I had even half of the players that they had, I, I would at least try to do something. Um, you know, I, it, it's, it, we mentioned it in the UPSL breakdown of the, of the game. Teams are going to have to figure out how to go at us because they can't sit back on us because we don't care if they do. Like some teams will get so so overly excited when a team sits back, they're just going to force right into that wall, and we're like, go ahead, like go ahead and sit back. Like we'll just we'll we will uh, over the course of ninety minutes figure out how to score against that, and mm-hmm. that that's it's again that's what happens. So coming out of the hydration break, I really felt like it was less of like what will Med City do. And more of when will the crows finally score? <laughs> yeah. that, that this is how I felt. How, how I felt um, just about ten minutes into that second period, um, <clears throat> you know, MVB clearly had kind of given the crows the uh, the opportunity to I think to move forward. Um, but coming out of that hydration break, it was more of the same stuff. The crows content on seeing out the half, keeping the ball, knowing that they had expelled far less energy than Med City had and the on waiting bench with all that firepower was still there. So outside of a few half chances, and I think one really good save by Jarvis uh, on Lionel Vang's low left footed shot um, that, uh, that, that tested him for the first time. Um, there was really no blood. And at this point, Nate Med City had had to have thought that they were kind of in the making for maybe a draw and perhaps sneaking out a victory on one of those late, late opportunities they they've seemed to seem to have yeah absolutely i think the best chance for med city came at like right at the end of the half uh bad giveaway from from stegward and both of the maxes really had to sprint to top speed to stop our Lombo, who was in alone against elder uh but they got him he didn't he didn't he didn't get the shot off uh i mm-hmm. think it was i think it was kent that that, that caught up with them and stegward took the ball away but that was about as dicey as it got for Minneapolis city in that half was, you know, one bad decision and what could have been a chance. Uh, So easy to forget because it didn't, it didn't amount to anything, but I'm I'm with you. I think med city might've felt like "Mm, we could, we could pull off a couple more of those and and sneak something out of this. Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, one thing that we don't talk about is actually how fast, for how big Max Kent is like, he covers a lot of ground really quickly. And, and that just showed when he chased down, um, uh, Ir- Ir- Lambeau. Um, yeah. but just about 10 minutes into the second period after halftime, like I said, I think MVB clearly was like, I gave you the, 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 the license to amp it up after the first hydration break, but after halftime was like, all right, let's go. And, <laughs> and I thought the act, the action at that point, I thought ratcheted up quite a bit. Um, a very active Brian Lopez, who yeah. was 
as we mentioned, riding high off of his performance versus Luth, um, definitely warranting the start. Um, he started to really get things moving. Um, he had a couple real nice inch perfect passes, a real nice long ball to Will Kid, um, a couple nice balls into Midu. Um, you know, he was able to break up the play in in the in the Med City defensive third. Um, and at the at that ten minute mark into into that half. Um, he broke up a play. The ball kind of just happened to fall Ian Smith's foot. He slotted an excellent entry pass into Yusuf Uchek too, um, who then found Vang. So a lot of great off the ball movement, which I thought I think is was all set up by what we did in the first half, like mm-hmm. moving them around, not knowing what the guy you're guarding is going to do when we get when you get when the, when the other team gets the ball. That I mean, Lionel Vang was the third runner, and how many teams in our division have let alone two runners? <laughs> you know, uh, so you know, Will Kid was the first runner. He didn't get it. Yusef got it as a second runner, and the third runner off of Yusef was Vang. Awesome individual touch, nice shifty first step, eluded the defender. It was brought down inside the area in the 56th minute, and that's where Captain Max Seward just stepped in, slotted home a, a, a nice penalty, kind of wrong wrong footing um, Jarvis, and there it was. That was the goal. It, it yep. would either open and it. it Nordo and I kind of talked about it. Is is this going to open things up, or is this just that lone goal is that's going to be the? Is that it? Is that for Med City? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Uh, you know, I guess what I what I think is really cool is Lionel Vang and his ability to maintain possession in the tightest of spaces. When you think about some of the some of the moves he's able to put on guys, and basically look like he's standing still. Right, like to that to not, defender had no clue what he was going to do. No, I mean like this not, is the no, thing. When, no clue. When Lionel gets the ball, it's it's a matter of you know foot to foot to foot to foot, and he hasn't gone anywhere. But the defender is all over the damn place, yeah, trying to figure out yeah. where he's going, and it's really, really, really awesome to watch. And then of course Lionel decides to make the cut, and the foot when he sees an outstretched foot, when he sees an opportunity for something like that, uh, that was that's great, and it's another. <laughs> it goes back to the to the ancient traditions of of Goose and Will Kid. Like when you've got a attacker that can draw contact in the box like that just by baffling their opponent or by flat out like <laughs> demanding contact in the box, you've got automatic goals in the season. It's just it's just a bonus. So I really I really yeah. like that out of Lionel Vang's game. <clears throat> Excuse me. So at that point, the sub started to come in, and it was pretty much more of the same. Um, as not only our, our previous matches, but also the first half. Saw the Crows with the lion's share of possession, the ball really able to do what they wanted it to do. Um, mm-hmm. Not a ton that, that Med City could really do. Tried to throw some guys forward. They were disjointed in their press, and they put another, they put another forward on, and they ended up subbing him off. Um, they did. I was other... wondering about that. They subbed him off for yeah. a different guy. and Yeah, yeah. I mean – it's that that's the second game in a row that we've had where a player has been subbed on in the second half against us and then subbed immediately off. Um, I've never, I, it's rarely that you see it happen once, but happened back to back weeks. That was a little interesting. Um, but I, I thought that it was, it was another tactical error by Mad City to, to not try to force the issue and at two, nothing. With the ability well. that some of those, their players have, you might as well start like trying to have a cohesive unit step out of the bunker thirty yards in front of your goal. Yeah, but instead it felt like City had eighty. I even, mean, I said even I wrote time. down seventy-five percent possession, and that was that was conservative. I think we we had probably eighty percent of possession in that second half. Yeah, and it was all because of just a bad tactical adjustment that then you, like it was taken out on on that forward that came in, like, what was he <laughs> going to do? Um, so young man, Kevin Andrews, you know, he came on looking to provide a spark after being shown pretty much a locked door against goalkeeper uh, Dally from Duluth oh. who robbed him, who robbed him of two goals. And then, mm-hmm. then ultimately saw him back to the bench as our own in the same half tactical sub, um, trying to add another defender on um, then Ben Scoten pulled, pulled Kevin Andrews off against Duluth. Um but he came in this game, Nate, with like an added bit of an edge. And I think it was kind of as a result of that, which is what you want to see a player respond with. 
Um, he got when he got the ball, he made things happen, and he 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 really did just that. Minutes later, after the second mm-hmm. hydration break ended, uh, another great run um, that that he that uh, that was kind of culminated off of a an eight pass sequence or a nine pass sequence um, that saw Dominic Mezjin run a great one two with another substitute that was just on fresh Justin Oliver who beat Jarvis only to see this shot just smash off the near post where Andrews was really just in the right spot at the right time, like making the right read to, to cover the back post and taps it in in the 76th minute. And this Nate was about as big of a nail in the coffin that you can drive into a team. They really had nothing of substance on the day at all. Um, that yeah. was pretty much game, game set and match. The final 10 minutes of stoppage flew by. Everyone but Troy ended up getting into the match. And the Crows are again top of the table and undefeated. Still top of the table and undefeated. Yes, sir. Uh, really, really uh, dominant performance, I think, by Minneapolis City against a team that coming into this week you thought would have put up a greater fight than Duluth. I mean, I was more nervous for this game. Than the Duluth game. In the, yeah. in the aftermath of the Duluth game, right? To know that, like, we were yeah. able to handle that, but this is another undefeated team. How can we six ranked team in the country? Like, right. Yeah. Right. Like, how do we manage this? And is this going to be? It's another tough test. And well, they beat up on the bottom half of the division, and they had yeah, and that's what yet. we said right on the show last week. Is like now the games really start for them, and and mm-hmm. sadly for them, it started with us. So uh, well, and <laughs> last... and what we didn't also mention is that they are like Duluth on that Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday schedule because they decided to wait for their guys to come back. Yeah. And that's so hard to, to do. It's, it's okay. It's super hard to win in our division, no matter how good you are, because weird shit happens. We'll talk about that when we get into the preview of the fusion game a little bit. When I go through that, it's super hard to win in our division. Um, whether it's one nothing or six nothing, like the it doesn't matter. It's just hard to do, yeah. um, and and then you're trying to throw in having to do that twice a week. Yeah, how hard uh, is it to win twice a week for a month very, and a half? Very hard, and you throw in like ninety degree heat. Those guys had to be fucking gas. Like mm-hmm. it's just not a smart management move. Like figure out your roster, get guys in early, or pay the price. Heard that. So last week we outlined some keys to victory, John. Uh, we yes. got the victory. How did we do with the keys? Uh, watch the set pieces. I think there was maybe one of danger, and yeah. Matt Elder ca- Matt Elder caught it. So um, again, tactically, I think they were incorrect in how they came at us and <laughs> what their strength was. <laughs> what we saw in set pieces wasn't even possible. We were so, so worried about those. Yeah, it, and it, it caused us to make a tactical adjustment from a personnel perspective with bringing in Jack Barry over Jonah Garcia to win every ball in the air because he's 12 feet tall. So we even set <laughs> up for it when actually that game was tailor-made for Jonah to move the ball. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I don't know what they were thinking. Um, number two, control the narrative through possession. Uh, yeah, we did a lot of that. So I'll say we did that. And then score the early goal. I still – I. It doesn't baffle me that we don't score the early goal because we're scoring all of our goals in the second half pretty much. Um, and now I'm starting to be okay with that because we're not doing anything stupid in the first half. We're setting up those goals for the second half. So I still mm-hmm. think that I'd love to see us getting into into halftime with at least one goal on the board um, to start putting these from two nothings into four or five nothings. But it is what it is. You're still winning three points. So I, I, you know, I don't really care about that one. I get it. I mean, you want that statement out of the gate, right. That establishes your team, you know, in a morale busting way as like, we are the best players on the field and you're going to have to deal with it for the rest of the game. But at the same time, like you can, you can establish that without scoring as we did. Like we can hang, we hung out of the ball for 75 to 80 of the 90 minutes right right and 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 that's as that's demoralizing in its own right yeah and again yeah it's it's really tough also to lean on your attackers to score a goal early when 
everyone has sat on us. So, like, n- what game have we played in that got stretched? Like, yeah, no. we haven't had one yet. And getting stretched is where you start to get those opportunities that aren't, like, the half or quarter chances that we're getting against a team that just is like, all right, well, we're just going to try to hit on the counter and go long. And, like, I'm really looking forward to a team that actually, like, listens to our show and is, like, wants to come out and fight. You know, like... <laughs> Someone that we taunt into action. That would be so great. Yeah. I want to see it. I want to see, I want to see like a good end to end match. I don't want to see 10 guys behind the ball and everything going long. Like this is me being a soccer purist. I hate watching that kind of soccer and uh, we're kind of forced to watch it up in the booth. Right. Like we can't, yeah. we can't turn away. Um, I think it's not going to, I don't think it's going to come until late in the second half of the season or into the playoffs. I'll tell you that. Okay, so let's briefly divert our attention here and talk about that. We yeah. we have we have done the math and we know that 27 points in our conference gets you into the playoffs and 28 wins you the division every single year. So, right now Minneapolis City is sitting on 15. Yeah, let's means- hey, let's let's get into the NPSL North spinner on, John. Let's talk about yes. let's talk about the table, right? It, yeah. So Uh, real quickly, real quickly, before you get into that, 12 more points are needed to secure a playoff spot and 13 more out of the, and we haven't even hit the halfway point. Mm -hmm. Teams are going to have to figure out if they want to try to be that team that gets the 27th point, if they want to fight us or if they want to just concede and let and then fight each other. So I really would like to see Mm. everyone fighting everyone instead of sitting back. And that's yeah. just me personally. And, and it's not arrogance at all. It's just that, like, I'd really like to see that happen. Because even if we get through to that 28th point or that 27th point and we get into the playoffs, I, other teams aren't going to sit back on us. They're going to come at us because it's, it's tournament soccer. You have to win. Yep. So early in our conference, you don't have to win. You just have to not lose. And that's why it's tough to win in our division. So let's fight. Come on. Let's, let's throw the gloves on. Let's do it. Fight me, little bitch. Yes. Uh, so you got to give it, John, to the NPSL North serving up the drama this year. Uh, it feels like, like you said, every team is going after, is getting set to go after each other. Nobody really wants to attack us. Uh, so let's take a look at those results from from this last week and the current table. Last week there was there were Wednesday games. So Med City they gave themselves a little pick me up ahead of their defeat at our hands uh, by beating Eris. And joy yeah, Athle- set up. Yep. <laughs> that's that's the warm-up game you're looking for. Uh Joy Athletic puts three past Sioux Falls to pick up three points at home, which was nice. Sioux Falls must not have been super happy about that because they <laughs> this is amazing. They, they punished they punished Duluth with a last minute free kick winner to take all three points on what's what must have been like just a roasting ass day out on the prairie. Duluth uh, score- didn't even e- equalize until the 80th minute. Well, that's what I'm saying. Scoring in that game, John, didn't even start until the 81st minute. So if you came yeah. late, you felt pretty good about that decision. Uh, it's super unbelievable that Sioux Falls pulled that off. But at the start of the season, you and I said, this team steals points when you least expect it, and we just need to make sure it's not against us. Thankfully, it's against Duluth, uh, who are now in third, which is and that's amazing. Not the, that's not the answer Duluth wanted after – facing us no like, not you, not the, not the bounce looked, back game yeah you would have looked at them to get angry and and i mean sydney warden is a true goal scorer like that guy is legit yeah. and you want to find any way possible to get in a position of advantage with him in inside 25 yards that's not a long ball up to him because he's not a big guy so they had a whole week to figure that out against a team like that they're going to face against Sioux Falls drawing on how it didn't work against us and they didn't do it. And that's, Sioux Falls Sioux just Falls snuck one in. Us. No. And, and they snuck one in on them and that's what that's, happens. It's, it's did, hard to did win you see in the our goal? division. I watched the whole second half. I saw all the goals. Um, I, I don't know what Dally was thinking in that, to be honest with you. I, I think he maybe like caught, tripped a little bit or caught a cleat or slipped. And yeah. just couldn't quite cover, but I mean, Limmer hit that thing from like 35 yards out. It was a deep I, free kick. Yeah, and it just kind of 
skirted its way on the turf in it wasn't like a a laser beam but he hit it hard and it, it, it bounced a few times past the wall i thought the wall could have probably just stuck a leg out and probably cleared it but weird shit happens man that's why i love yeah. soccer it's the npsl north so currently minneapolis city of course sits at the top first of all i love this i love this part of the show and i've missed it so currently minneapolis city sits at the top of the table uh five wins 15 points uh, plus 16 goal differential with 18 goals for and two goals against. Uh, amazing power ranking of three. Uh, Med City, who we just defeated, of course, in second place with four wins, one loss. Duluth, as we've mentioned, in third place with two wins, two losses. They're also down a game. They've also only played four. Yeah, they got a game at hand. So Which, how does that how does that work? They started so late. I don't know how someone's gonna. It doesn't make any sense. If we, but yeah, if we all played five games, then who's the opponent that they haven't played already? Yeah, very. Strange. Oh, it's Met. It's Med City. They play Med City three times in five days later on in the summer. Which oh. <laughs> both those guys. What are you? What were you thinking? <laughs> Wait, they play Med City three times this season. Two times. Sorry, two times in three in five days. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, Joy the People sits in fourth. Joy St. Louis Park. Uh, in fourth place, two wins, two losses, and a draw. Really decent showing for them. Uh, they are at seven points on the season. Uh, what's that? <laughs> Sioux Falls with six points, two wins, and three losses. Uh, Dakota squeaks a win <laughs> against Eris. We were just speculating who's going to be the new Eris, and it seems like it's Eris. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but I, who I knows? That. It's going to be. Between these two, it's going to be a battle for pride, I think, throughout the season to figure out who can who can just win a game or two, which is fine. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. again, that's it's lower league soccer. So uh, Minneapolis City comfortably sitting on the top. Really excited for the second half of the season to begin next week. But first, we got to talk about this week, John. Yes. So what do I really say about the Dakota Fusion when we called them the new heiress? last week only to go out and beat Eris. so drag back out of that cellar um the first match up against these two teams which happened to be our season home opener which is really hard to wrap your head around (laughs) it wasn't that long ago um that we played them in our season opener uh, at home and now we're playing them a second time already um, it had everything, an early red card, lots of goals, our first glimpse of soccer in a full year at home. Like, it was all sorts of stuff. Um, but since these two teams have been have played, been on two separate trajectories. Crows, yeah. clearly to the, to the moon, and the Fusion have been battling their way through every game, mostly being on the losing end, except for that Eris game, to the tune of a negative 13 goal differential. That that one's gotta that one's gotta hurt a little bit, and I'm not saying that with any sort of dig. Like it's it, it's math. If you if you've given up 13 goals, and I believe looking at the table, uh, they've given up 18 goals. That's the most in the conference. So that that's something you gotta gotta focus on there. Maybe play some defense, guys. Um, I <laughs> please. I fully I fully expect this to be another NPSL North match where it's gonna be physical. Fusion will likely not stretch the field and attempt to close down like the passing lanes with the crows and to penetrate in the final third. Um, and you never know in this conference where weird shit does happen. Um, it will be interesting to see if, if Pike brings what, what he brings to the table and if he can shake off that ejection versus us, or if he gets even yeah. more fired up and gets tossed out again, that would be pure comedy that you can't script. Um, but uh, <laughs> we're almost at the halfway point of our season, Nate. Yeah. And and we're we're doing the runaround again. And and the first time around, I I thought there were players that Dakota had that can play, and they uh they've just been beaten. And that's tough to come. It's tough to come back on the rubber matches when when you got to look at your uh, your return leg. And, again, the first one you get is against a team that hasn't been beaten yet. That's just been kind of having their way. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I think Dakota is the. What's going on with Dakota is kind of what I expected to go on with a lot of the other teams in the league in that, like, you just don't have – there's just not enough talent out there for you, and the players that you import are just not the players that you thought you you, you could – that were going to succeed for you. So 
Oh, well, sorry, Dakota. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you can regain some pride over the course of the second half of the season, but I don't think it's going to happen for you on Wednesday. I mean, you never know. Weird shit happens. Know. Never know. Keys to victory for City, John, uh, knowing that we've got a probably bigger game on Saturday coming up. Travel strong. I am happy to say that we will have 18 players for this game. So yeah. uh, in the past, it's been another one of those 15, 16 dudes that made the trip because it's midweek. It's in Fargo. You got to take off work. You got to not go to that internship. You got to not cut the, that lawn, <laughs> whatever you're doing in the summer. <laughs> um, so traveling strong. We, we were, we're already going to do it. And, um, and you know, it's, it's definitely something that we haven't done in the past. Number two, um, I combined two and three from last week, uh, and that's controlling the narrative through possession and scoring the early goal. I think that we can level up by trying to score early again, especially on the road midweek game. You know, we need that early goal. Yeah. Just to, to, to take all the weird shit out of it. In 2019, we saw that early goal come from Max Stegord off of a kickoff after we had just conceded a goal. And, yeah. and that, was that, was, that was the gut punch. But we, we, we need the early goal. It, even if you get scored on early, to equalize right away. Like, like we did in 2019. That was, it's a good representation of what needs to happen. Um, and number three, I think rotate the roster. Um, we have the depth. We've talked about it. But I think there's a lot of guys that we haven't seen in a, in a while. Um, guys like Mark Bokeen, guys like Javier Juarez, Gato. Um, we haven't seen these guys in a while. And, um, and I know that they're, they're, they're prepping for when their number's called. But this is a perfect opportunity to show our depth and bring a strong squad on the road, but also be able to do it at the opportunity to rest some people, whether it's giving them only a half or whether it's giving them um, the, the day off. Yep. Um, I think that this is, this is the game to, to try that. And I'm confident in the squad that we're, we're, we're intending on bringing. I'm not going to say who it is, um, but I'm confident that from one to 32 on our roster, um, any of them can go to Dakota on a midweek and get it done. So yeah, the rotation is is super key because it's going to keep guys fresh for a, a big game on Saturday. That's for sure. So uh, we got to check Dakota's social media for the stream information. I'm not really sure what it is off the top of my head. Couldn't find it yet. Kickoff is scheduled for 7 p.m. So be sure to stay alert Wednesday night for that information from out of Dakota Fusion. And then the final game, John, of our first trip through the table is against newcomers joy athletic for those of you who are unfamiliar joy is the new npsl wing of joy of the people which is the free pay free play model youth club based new in twin st. Louis, st. Yep, st louis park and st paul uh and yes positionally in the table and play wise they are the new twin stars i think as we just mentioned earlier joy is performing really decently this year winning against sioux falls and dakota they drew Eris in a surprise comeback, and they lost to Med City and Duluth. The question going into the season, John, was definitely around how this Joy squad of young talent holds up to the rest of the league. And so far, the answer feels pretty much in line with our predictions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, <laughs> I'm going to say it again just to beat the drum. It's hard to win in our division. And the one thing that you can't lean on is talented youth across the roster because you – you you just can't do it. You need to have people that have at least sniffed playing at this level, and you need to have more than one or two. You need to have like a good baseline of a core that can win games in this division because they know how it's going to be. Um, sure. What what I look at is like what what a difference someone like Charlie Adams could be if they were taken from the the the, the claw machine, picked them out of our player pool and put them on their roster like that would be that would help them drastically with like the moxie that he has as a as a a veteran in this in this league do they have players that are as skilled as charlie absolutely but what they don't have is that mental mindset of how to how to do it and yeah. it, it's tough it's tough and that's not a slight it's just it's just honest to god truth yeah and we'll get into it 
little, we'll get into why here in a sec, but I think one thing to talk about first and foremost is that this joy team is dangerously strong and speedy in attack, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they've got their key, their key attack is Emmanuel Iwe. He is a true joy of the people prospect. He grew up playing in the system. He grew He's up really basically, basically grew up with Ted, with Ted's kid. Um, Really, really good. He's been on trials in Germany. He was in Costa Rica for a while. I think he's got of the of the goals that Joy has scored this year. And it's pretty much him and Whitney. There are thirteen of them. He's scored five or six. So he is he's super dangerous. And when you combine that with the opposite side, uh, Phil Caputo and Whitney Brown, who's at striker, we know Whitney, right? Mm -hmm. Whitney has scored three goals. Caputo scored two. Like. That's a dangerous attack, John. When you say you've got five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten goals uh, out of your yeah. front line of your front three, that's really good. They're also playing against teams that don't have the best defense. By so, now, they've played against everyone. Yeah, <laughs> except us. So it's like, yeah. I mean, that's 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 pretty good. I, I'll I'll give it to them that there's there's some attacking are, prowess there. I will I will say, do not underestimate Enam. I'll say this. After saying that they've scored a lot of those goals against teams that don't have great defense, um, I will say, though, that it possibly with a front three in, in a 4-3-3 three, three, is probably the most potent attack outside of us, yeah. for sure. Um, lots of respect. I mean, we know what Whitney can do. Lots of respect for Whitney. Um, Whitney scored a bunch of big goals for us. Um, uh, uh, Emmanuel Iwe, a fantastic talent. Like, you have to cue in on those type of guys. Um, but it, yeah, they're, they're good. And they're the type of team that can catch you on a counterattack and really make you pay. The, the highlights against Duluth were 100% counterattack goals. Or I guess, well, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say hundred percent. There were two of them and they were both incredible, incredibly lethal counterattack goals. Like I think some of those defenders had no idea what was coming for them. So they're definitely dangerous on that counterattack. I think, I think joy is also capable of battling They've clawed back to almost earn a draw at Duluth, which was mm-hmm. pretty crazy. Uh, they were down two nothing. They they came they came back, took the lead, lost the lead, and I think Duluth beat them in the very very last minute, last gasp For, corner. Forgot right? to mark Sydney Warden. <laughs> yep, which you can't do. It, so they're definitely capable of battling for for ninety minutes. I just think that they're they struggle with closing those games out. Like it's mm. one thing to, to fight and it's another thing to, to win. And when you think about that last minute loss to Duluth, the last minute draw to Eris that happened basically in hundred percent extra time, 90, 90th minute, 90 plus minute goals given up where they had a win. Like that's just, that's tough. How do you, where does that come from? You know, where, why, why is there, where does that lack of, is it a lack of depth? Is it a lack of experience? Like you said, like guys that aren't used to playing in the NPSL and what the NPSL can throw at you. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough to say really. I mean, I've watched a lot of those games and a lot of it was what joy does a lot, a good job of keeping the ball, um, which I'm excited for that game Saturday because it, it might be an opportunity where there's a team that like, that won't just bunker down and it will actually like, come at us. And I, mm-hmm. I think that they definitely, I think that they will do that. I think. Um, and a lot of the time when that happens is if you don't have the folks on the back line who are, can, can withstand those waves of pressure. Um, but, and then are being tasked to keep the ball as well. And you don't have the reinforcements to bring in that, that don't make the level of play drop that's where you get those late goals because it's mental errors. It's just physical tired errors, um, things, things that you can't train for, right. Unless you're working hundred percent on fitness. Yeah, uh, and, I, so, and I, and I will say that depth at defender and depth on the bench is, is definitely a weakness of theirs. Right. I think mm-hmm. top two defenders for joy are this kid out of Serbia, which, who's pretty good. And Otis Anderson, who I think was a futures or MC two. Guy, MC2. yeah. Uh, so you know, definitely when you're thinking about your number two defender is probably fifth or sixth string defender in the Minneapolis City system, it 
there there just can't, there's no upgrade there that can that can deal with what we've got on the bench. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough. I mean the the free play model is you know it's it's not an incorrect model. It's a very good way to learn soccer. Um, but what you you lose is in the full strength eleven aside at a level like this, you lose that like trained in defensive shape. Yep. Um, you know, uh, uh, defensive adjustments for countering a an attack because you're typically just free, <laughs> freely playing. Uh, no pun intended. Um, just working and, and and goals are happening, and you're just, you're working on keeping the ball and trying to outscore the other team. But when the other team can stop you from scoring and you can't outgun them, that's where you run into problems. And if you don't have that depth, it's very difficult to come back from. And we've seen that in, in the in the games. And what I'm saying is is like you can the proof's in the pudding. You can go watch it. Um, but the the players can play for for joy. And like mm-hmm. I said, I'm I'm excited for it. I'm really excited for this one. Um, new team air division. It's it's good to always get the new blood. Like when VSLT was new, that was all awesome. Um, you know, we had, we had a brief glimpse of maybe getting Milwaukee torrent, who's having a decent season right now into our division until COVID came. So I was excited to see them. Um, new teams are exciting, Nate. That's for sure. So John, first, first time we've seen this team face to face. What are the keys to Minneapolis city's victory? Uh, number one, don't fall into the traps. Um, what I mean by that is. I hope and, it, and and I fully anticipate that they will try to come at us in different ways that other teams have not. And that can cause traps. That can cause us to potentially go away from what our game plan is, which we know is more of that patience and possession. If you start to you get one wild horse, then the whole entire stable falls apart. So don't fall into those traps. Like withstand the waves of pressure but keep doing what you know you can do to set up success. Uh, number two is lean on experience. We talked about it already. Um, we have the experience um, and that's, that's no news to anyone. Um, you know, a lot of these guys have been here since day one, but also have been with us for multiple seasons. Um, and that experience is something that they lack. So let's lean on it. Let's, let's, let's pull out a victory through experience if we need to, um, if, if the game gets to that point and, yeah. and lean and truly lean on it as opposed to number one, falling into those traps. And I think number three is very things up in the final third. I think the one thing that we can do to, to disrupt what they might throw at us is for us to get a little bit more act- active and adjust how we attack, not adjusting like our, our, our mantra and our mentality and what's worked. But let's let's not let's not just show them the same thing every time. Let's make those defenders that we talked about that are maybe a little less experienced, maybe a little less on the depth perspective. Let's make them try to think about what we're going to do before it happens and then change it up. Like, don't keep throwing the same type of thing at them over and over again, because any defender at this level will figure out a, a repetition and we'll be able to stop it. Um, Whether they get tired and then, then someone comes in. Um, I don't think that they've made a defensive sub all season for many of the games I watched. I think all the defenders have pretty much played 90, maybe, you know, an outlier here or there, mm-hmm. but if you can vary that up and you, and you start drawing center backs that are used to just, you know, being rooted in their spot to coming into the midfield, you start overlapping your wings, your, your, your striker starts getting in behind. We look at the third goal against, um, against Med City. It was the third runner who ended up getting the ball and getting, getting taken down in the box. That's the type of shit I'm talking about is like, just never give them the same thing twice, you know, right in a row. You can give them the same thing twice in a, in a, in a couple of sequences, but make them do the thinking and, and get to your advantage spots before they can, because they're thinking about it instead of just organically doing it. So this, this is the only matchup left that's in town. So head over to St. Louis park on Saturday game starts at seven, but the area around the stadium is very, I'll, I'll say this again, very tailgate friendly. So let's let's pull a, a Man City in, in Ted Lasso and, and buy out the stadium. Make it feel yeah. like a city home game. Make it feel like uh, like Denver in, in CONCACAF was 
yeah. in in favor of Mexico, and let's just pack that stadium full of Crow supporters. And pro tip: uh, if you're watching at home, mute mute the stream. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for the show this week. Thank you to our new show sponsor, FootballStadiumPrints.com. Everyone's got a tightly curated Zoom setup these days. You know, you got your living space set up to show the best you to all your clients and coworkers. If you're looking for the right props to say, I love soccer, but in a mature, cool, interesting adult way, tear the posters of Ronaldo that you want at the fair down and head on over to footballstadiumprints.com. Just browse their litany of awesome-looking stadium designs, including, of course, the Edor Nelson Field, all available as prints and to be printed on everything that keeps you classy. Uh, and what's better than that? Well, city fans can head over to footballstadiumprints.com and uh, check out those Edor Nelson shirt and print designs and use code CROWS10 to save 10% off your order. That is CROWS1010. And you can rock the home of the Crows or I guess any of the other stadiums or, or teams that you care about wherever you go. And thanks again to our friends at footballstadiumprints.com. Father's Day, right around the corner, and every crow dad needs an upgrade <laughs> to his man cave. So get after it. And remember, footballstadiumprints.com uh, ships all orders from the United States right here in these US of A, so there are no additional international shipping charges. If giving back to the community means a lot to you, maybe it is time to give to the club that gives back. Minneapolis City is a 501c3 that provides a safe, reliable, and fun environment for young people to play the beautiful game, like at our upcoming summer camps, as well as through our Futures Program Scholarship Fund. Uh, consider a tax-deductible donation to a true city-focused organization. Uh, the season is in full swing. We're tossing a lot of soccer news your way, but if there's something you think we missed, you got to send us mail. It is easy. you got to hit us up on Twitter at The People's Pitch or through email at mcscpodcast at gmail.com. All questions, comments, and concerns are welcome. And finally, as always, you can hit the club up at MPLSCitySC on the Twitter. Thanks for joining us this week. That's going to do it. I am Nate. That was John. It's a double game week, and that's going to mean two reasons to celebrate. Get on out to St. Louis Park and see some soccer. And you got hooked.